that's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. You might always start like that. Who knows? I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meat for Tea, The Valley Review, and this is... I'm Mark Allen Miller, sidekick and uh, co-conspirator in Meat for Tea. Yeah, and um, graphic designer and web guy and um, the host of the Cirques and a whole bunch of stuff. The hats, there are many. Hi, welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of the Meat for Tea cast. This time around, we have a special bonus episode. We have a preview of Elizabeth being guest on Derek Jones' wonderful Ratchet Book Club podcast offshoot. Well, it's part of the Ratchet Book Club podcast. That's what you want to look for, but it's a it's a thing called Storytellers where he gets four people together and they basically do a exquisite corpse slash telephone game version of writing a story together. It's marvelous fun. Her episode was called Not Me, Lord, released on October 22nd of this year, 2022. Derek Jones is is got something really good going on here, and Elizabeth was very honored to be part of this, so we wanted to share with you a special preview, but if you like what you hear, please go search for Ratchet Book Club on any place you get your favorite podcasts, and scroll down to the October 22nd, 2022 episode, Not Me, Lord. Here's the excerpt. The fourth person never gets to hear the first or second part, like the entire first half of the story, and they never get to hear it. The person who began the story never gets to hear the end of the story. Um, and so we then gather in a Zoom meeting and sit down and listen to the story from beginning to end, and everybody gets to hear the magic. Everybody gets to receive kudos on their great works. And everybody gets to tell me exactly what the fuck you were thinking when you came up with this segment. Of course, cursing is allowed. It's encouraged in this show because why the fuck not? Um, And we usually end off with a story that is completely different from the way it began to the way it ended. Mm -hmm. Um, With that said, I will say that the order of this episode was Elizabeth went first. Uh, and then Stu went second, and then Paisley uh, was the one who brought it to a climax, and then A.B. was the one who closed out the story. Um, so the three cards that were utilized in this segment, in this story, were Invitation from a Stranger, A Box of Hair, and Nudist. So... Knowing that those three things were the uh, storyline cards that were utilized, um, and I already know how things turned out, Amanda. Yes. uh, How many of those three things carried over to the end of the story? Nudist, Invitation from a Stranger, and Box of Hair. Oh, just the pubic hair. I just want to say again, it was supposed to be box of hair. It became pubic hair. Thanks to Elizabeth. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that it ended up being pubic hair, but I wasn't the one who asked for it to be pubic hair. That was Elizabeth. That was fully Elizabeth. And after we listened to Elizabeth's segment of this story, uh, I'll definitely have questions regarding said pubic hair, but with no further ado, Let's go ahead and get to part one of this story, which is, again, done by Elizabeth. Let's travel back to a time 
Before the dawn of MTV, when in almost any suburban New England neighborhood, a person could wander behind the houses, past the backyards, and find whole swaths of undeveloped land, meadows, woods, flower-dappled clearings, and lady slippers were all in abundance. In shady spots, gypsy moss liberally carpeted the ground. Behind Emma's house was just such a magical space. She'd taken to seeking refuge here, behind her neighborhood, to escape the jeers and taunts of her 10th grade classmates in the provincial high school where she had the recent misfortune to be the new kid. To be clear, anyone whose grandparents hadn't grown up in this town was branded as new. Emma didn't know, when she started the school, that raising your hand enthusiastically upon being asked if you knew the vocabulary of words for the day, or if you'd heard of the author that was the assigned reading, or if you displayed any interest in your studies whatsoever, would get you branded as that most offensive of all things, a brain. She had to find out the hard way, and soon her days at school became torturous. Her classmates deemed her to be socially leprous, and there was not she could do to remedy this dire state of affairs. Being a sensible girl, she soon determined to avoid school as much as possible. She discovered the clearing behind her backyard while taking the long walks that had become necessary to preserve her sanity. She started spending most school days here with her lunch and some favorite books, which currently included the collected short stories of O. Henry. It was an easy matter to slip out the back door, as though she were headed to school, and make her way instead to the meadow in the clearing. She liked to spread out a blanket on the grass and lie in the sun, reading. After a time, she took to removing her clothes to bask naked in the warmth. Was she a nudist? The notion hadn't formed into a clear ideology, but she did feel free and soothed, basking naked in the sun. One day, Emma was surprised by a young woman in a brown robe who emerged from a copse of trees bordering the spot. She held out her hand to Emma, saying, Come with me. Let me get dressed first, Emma said. You're dressed perfectly now. But I'm naked. We call it sky-clad. Come quickly. The ceremony is about to begin. Intrigued and figuring she had nothing to lose, Emma followed the young woman through the trees to find another clearing where 11 people were standing nude in a circle around a large stone altar. Good, Elspeth. You've brought us our 13th, an older woman called. As Elspeth joined the circle, dropping her robe on the ground behind her. And might she be a virgin? Asked an older bearded man, not uncreepily. Simmer down, Corbin, warned the older woman. Emma watched with interest as that same woman called the quarters, starting with the east. Hail, guardians of the watchtowers of the east, powers of air, we invoke you and call you. She made her way through the remaining three directions till she was back where she started. Corbin then went around the outer periphery of the circle with salt. The older woman, clearly the officiant, took her position at the altar, 
lit incense and candles, then intoned. The circle is cast. The fire is lit. The ritual has begun. The ritual has begun, echoed all but Emma, who watched with growing unease as woman unwrapped a fabric-wrapped silver dagger and slowly drew it through a flame of a tall black candle before commanding, Elspeth, bring me the virgin. Oh, hell no, thought Emma, bending and grabbing Elspeth's robe from where it lay on the ground next to her. She started running, pulling on the robe as she ran. She'd read enough to know that witches are loath to break a cast circle. This would buy her a little time. As she ran back through the trees, she felt something in the pocket of the robe. It was a small obsidian box. Emma prized open the lid and exclaimed, What the fuck? The box was filled with pubic hair. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, As so one t- does. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, okay, so, Elizabeth. <laughs> What the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, what exactly were you thinking when you came up with this? Which, honestly, I loved it. I thought it was the perfect, perfect intro to this story. But what were you thinking? Thank you so much. Well, the first thing I was thinking is I don't have any time. Because initially, I think you wanted it by noon Monday, and I mm-hmm. found that out Sunday night. So that's the first thing I was thinking. I was like, oh, shit. Um, but then when I had an extra day I really just opened up my laptop and started writing and and, I mean I am a writer I'm an editor and a writer I have my own literary journal so like if I can't write a story then that would be an unfortunate state of affairs (laughs) but um, the advice that's often given to writers is write what you knew well you know guess who grew up in New England, and guess who knows what a close-knit community where if you move there and generations of your family haven't been there, you're new, no matter what. So I knew these situations. I also did like to wander back because there's there's undeveloped spaces behind neighborhoods. They don't Mm -hmm. exist so much anymore, but there were. You could, like, wander through your backyard behind your neighborhood and it's like holy shit there's like woods here and all kinds of stuff so I enjoyed doing that I did not strip naked but um. I was gonna ask because <laughs> when you said the thing do, do do stories about things you know I was like holy shit Elizabeth was a nudist a million questions but then also you- at 15 like oh my god that's like <laughs> yeah and what would have given my parents heart attacks like what the fuck what's what the fuck's up with Corbin like yo Corbin close your fucking Chill. eyes dog like <laughs> she's a sophomore in high school Right. Stop it. Is she a virgin? You know what, Corbin? Let's have this talk, okay? You, me, these three other big-ass dudes, we're going to go behind this tree real quick. Y'all continue the ceremony. We're going to talk to Corbin real quick because this ain't happening. This isn't going to become a continuing issue, Corbin. Close your fucking eyes, Corbin. Stop looking at the kid, Corbin. Let's go talk. Okay, so that was another. Yeah, thank you. I like that talk. That needs to happen. That needs to happen often. So that that was another autobiographical thing. Is unfortunately, 
Um, older guys are really, really creepy to 15-year-old girls. So I knew firsthand what it's like to have, like, dudes in, I don't know. When I was 15, old was, like, you know, 35 and up. Mm-hmm. So, but, like, dudes that age being like, hey, baby. I'm like, what? What? What I just grew these boobs. I'm glad you like them, but they're brand new. Like, give me a minute. <laughs> you take them out the cellophane, homie. Like, yeah. Um, me personally, not a lady, cis male, and yet I still know motherfuckers who in the barber shop. You bring your daughter around um, them in the barber shop. Creepy. Like the age of five, these motherfuckers are like. Oh, I can't wait till she turns 18. Okay, look, motherfucker, what we're going to do is <laughs> we're going to go outside and talk, and I'm going to bring my, I'm going to call my brother to come and talk too, and yeah. we're going to dead this right now because be the whole, talk. ooh, she's going to be beautiful when she's 19. The fuck are you talking about, dude? The fuck yeah. are you talking about? Stop it. Stop yep. it. Stop it. Bad. Totally. You stop right now. You get the fuck out of my face. But yes, I'm, I'm glad you wrote him in there because there always seems to be that one motherfucker who is more than willing to fuck it up for everybody else because they can't stop their own nasty ass desires. Like, right? look, Corbin. Ugh. I mean, I, I actually can't even conceive of being sexually attracted to a kid. I, I have three because kids. Because they're fucking stupid. I don't, I don't. I can't even conceive of it. Like, it doesn't. Ugh. It's. it's I, I, Beyond the pale to me. Being being the father of two girls and two boys, I can tell you right now, kids are fucking myopic as shit. They are stupid. And um, they're not stupid. I don't mean they're stupid. I mean the things that they are interested in have nothing to do with what you're interested in. And look, guys, okay, so let's have this talk. Ladies, earmuffs. So, guys, look, I know that at a certain age, you feel like, the women around you may not do it for you anymore, but what you're not going to do is go out and ruin a young kid's world to satisfy your own nasty ass needs and desires. Okay. What you're not going to do is ruin somebody else's future because you want to embrace your past. Okay. We're not looking for sugar daddies in this world anymore. Nobody wants you, dog, except for the folks (laughs) your own goddamn age. Stick to yourself. If you can't, Control yourself around people who are half your age and below. What I'm going to need you to do is just lock yourself in your room and just get acquainted with lotion. Like, stop ruining these women's days just to satisfy your own stupid-ass desires and needs. It doesn't work for anybody but you. You fucking nasty-ass, unnecessary-ass pervert. Welcome to Storytellers. I'm Derek. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I liked that diatribe. <laughs> I think that was necessary. So that's where that came from. And what you had other questions about what what the fuck? What the was fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Like so, um, the music. I've talked to you about this, but the music, uh-huh. like it really set the stage and the standard for, you know what? I am over talking and that's a problem I have because I do Ratchet Book Club where it's just myself. Amanda, sure. you finished off this story. You never got a chance to hear the beginning of the story. No, what do you not. think? I thought Corbin was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I- <laughs> 
That's why I had to kill him off because I was like, who is that? <gasps> but good. Now, I'm like, I got to break in here and just say, I work with someone named Corbin and this is cracking me up. <laughs> oh my God. What is <coughs> but he's an, he's an incredibly sweet persons. <laughs> Nothing She's like the Corbin in, in the case, story. She has to say that just in case HR Not ever gets creepy. a hold of the <laughs> What are Not the creepy, odds? Very sweet. <laughs> Actually, yeah, one he's of my the only person friends, with that name I've ever met. <laughs> one of my closest friends, his name is Corbin. Mm. But he's wow. out in Mississippi, and he would fuck somebody up <laughs> if they were like this Corbin because they'd be giving him a bad name. Also, Amanda, spoilers! I'm s- <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm sorry. Can bleep okay. it out later, right? <laughs> but knowing now how that. the story began, what are your <laughs> thoughts on how the story ended? Without any spoilers, do you think that the beginning of the story and the end of the story, do you think it flowed all the way through? Uh, oh. Yes, no. We're going to say In a way. Kind of. In, in a way. Maybe. <laughs> 76% is still a passing grade. We're, <laughs> we're going to say... I we, live my life at 76%, okay? I think everyone should live their life at 76% because to give yourself 100% <laughs> to your work job is just fucking stupid. Um, with that next Bible verse said, let's go ahead and go to uh, <laughs> Stu, who was the second person who uh, did this story. Stu. Um, you know what? Let's go ahead and hear your segment, and then we'll get back to the questions. So, with no further ado, here's part two, brought by Stu. (laughs) (laughs) Emma did not like carrying the black box around with her, but she liked the idea of leaving it at home with her parents even less. What if they found it? They could have been doing something as innocuous as putting away laundry when they came across it, and then she would have to spend all night explaining why she had a container full of pubic hair. Or what if the weird people she had fled could sense it somehow? Leaving it at home would put her family in danger. They would have no idea why a dozen strangers approached them, seeking a strange cube that they knew nothing about. And what would those people do to her parents to get it back? Possibly more than Emma could even dare imagine. So as she got off her school bus and made her way to the one place she had spent so much time the past few months shunning, she had brought it with her, tucked away at the bottom of her book bag. What else could she do? The school had a library. At least she might be able to find some answers there. But answers to what? Surely if her public school library had a book about boxes full of pubes, the other kids would have been mocking it furiously all year. Her idiot classmates did not seem renowned for their subtle wit and deep sense of humor. Still, the anticipation of finding some information, any information, was all that was driving Emma at that point. It was easy to stay awake the previous night when she could only sit stiffly on the edge of her bed and rush to the side of her bedroom window at any noise outside her house. The terror of thinking Elsbeth and the others could come back whenever they wanted was enough to keep her up all night, but by the time she had made it to home room, the lack of sleep had started gnawing at her. As the rest of Mrs. Patino's 10th grade morning class buzzed about in conversation, Emma sat with her head down, feeling even more like an outcast than usual. She tried to rest quietly on her backpack, but all she could focus on were the hard corners of the box within, even as she tried covering them over with her textbooks. She knew she just needed to get to her fifth period study hall so she could rush off to the library and look for answers. 
First period geometry went by without a hitch, even though Emma was quite groggy by then and not at all concerned with the day's theorems or problems. Miss Alessio seemed to look to her first for the questions that she raised to the class, but Emma had no time to play Brainiac and so refused to meet her eyes. She just wanted to shift silently into the background of the day. The bell rang out the end of the period, just three classes to go until study hall. In second period chemistry, her weariness finally caught up with her, and she set her head down on her desk. Not with any designs on falling asleep in class or anything, she just needed to rest her eyes and quit worrying. Just for a few minutes. She thought back to Elsbeth and the eleven others standing naked in a circle. In her tired mind, she could hear them chanting, but the words were unintelligible to her. The old bearded man that Elsbeth had called Corbin held aloft a raccoon, and the rest of the group seemed to celebrate it to revere it. Their chanting grew more fervent. The poor creature looked up to the moon, then out across the coven. As the raccoon glanced at each one of them, that person would yell out, It's not me, O Lord! and fall to the ground. After that had happened seven times, the raccoon seemed to find Emma's eyes and lock onto them with its own. They glowed a deep purple as they stared into hers. The chanting stopped right then. They all turned as if they could see Emma in the mere act of thinking of them. Elsbeth stepped forward from the gathering and seemed to be approaching her somehow. The raccoon's violet eyes kept Emma frozen in place. Oh, darling Emma, Elsbeth purred. You should not have dreamed. Emma screamed and recoiled, knocking herself from the chair in Mr. Hughes's class into the tile floor. The class erupted in laughter as she lay there. Jeremy Fine tore his feet away from her as if she had been contagious. Someone to their left called out, Watch out, Jeremy! She wants to smell your feet! Emma, I can't even express how happy I am that you barely ever show up to my class these days, and when you do, you must think it's nap time. Mr. Horrell, I... I imagine you think that because of your grades, I can't fail you. Well, I'm afraid you won't like the results if you push to find out. No, I don't. He cut her off again. Your grades are the only reason I was willing to look past your attendance as of late. But sleeping in, and disturbing, my class is something else altogether. Come up to my desk, please. The class all made a teasing, ooh, sound at his words. Emma wanted to continue trying to argue, but it all seemed so pointless. She grabbed her backpack and approached him. As she made it to the front of the mall, he handed her a slip he had just written up. Take this to the office, Emma. You need to pull yourself together, young lady. Emma had barely managed a, yes, sir, as she <laughs> took the paper from him and left. In the hallway, she got only a few steps out the door when inspiration struck. She could go to the library now, you know, on her way to the principal's office. And maybe she could finally get the answer she needed before it was too late. Stu, my guy. I hated that the second after I sent it to you. <laughs> Stu, my guy. I sent it all, to you and immediately was like, I accomplished nothing. I, I talked for five minutes and I did not advance the story at all. You advanced the story perfectly, actually. That's what I was going to say. Stu, my guy, <laughs> my dude. I thought it was brilliant. Elizabeth, this was the first time you've heard this because you went first. Elizabeth is an editor. And a, a writer, Elizabeth, what did you think? Loved it. Loved it. it uh, everything I could have hoped would have happened in developing these characters and 
furthering the action. And I, I love to think of that little black box just tucked away behind some book in the library and the unsuspecting bloke who comes across it. I mean, it just opens up such a realm of possibilities. And speaking of what the fuck moments, um, that violet-eyed raccoon... <laughs> that raccoon changed to like three different animals and I don't know why I was so obsessed it started off as a possum then it was a rat and I was like no it's a raccoon I don't know why I not me that. lord <laughs> I know not me lord oh, I can't wait until the next time my wife looks at me <laughs> like literally just looks at me I'm gonna fall the fuck out not me lord <laughs> and then I will never be allowed back in the movie theater it'll be a time Stu, honestly, I thought it was perfect, but it's not important what I think. What were you thinking? I just, I was trying to to, to move things along. I wanted to keep as many details of Elizabeth's story as I could because I I didn't want to just be like, I'm just going to introduce a bunch of my own shit. Like I wanted to keep as much of hers as I wanted. And the one thing... I could not organically find a way to include, and I I was so worried it was going to get lost in the next two, was the story is set in presumably the 60s or 70s, because she said pre-MTV era. Because the first thing I thought was like, Emma needs to look up what the hell's going on here, but Emma ain't got no internet. Mm. So (laughs) she's got to go to the library at school, I figured. And I could not find a way to organically let Paisley know, like hey, the internet doesn't exist. This is like, this is pre-MTV. So if she comes up and is like, and then Emma went on a computer, I'd be like, yeah, that's my fault. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't keep that going. But I tried to get everything else. I mentioned Corbin. I mentioned the, that were third, or, you know, Emma would have been the 13th person in the group. I was trying to convey as much information to keep everything coherent as possible. I'm, I'm just literally... I was stunned at how well everything flowed together from Elizabeth's story to your story. Um, you made it effortless. Like, it it, it really worked for me. Um, also. My problem was I didn't, it's, it's just a bridge. Like, the Elizabeth's story ends with there are witches in a box full of pubes. And my story ends with the exact same thing. Like, I felt like I added nothing. Like, I just did a bridge to get to Paisley to to let her add whatever but she But you have the most difficult part of the story, honestly, because you have to continue the story without bringing it to a climax or without ending it. So, really, your part is, in essence, only a bridge. Yeah. And you did a wonderful job with it. When you think of it in that regard, do you feel differently about what you were able to accomplish? Like... Yeah, I mean, I I accomplished what I set out to, but as soon as I sent it to you, I was just like, I didn't do anything. (laughs) Like, I just just made sure Paisley got the information that Elizabeth gave me and changed the setting. That's all I did. But I mean, I I, I took a whole bunch of notes from Elizabeth whenever I read it, (laughs) and I got in as much information as I wanted, or as I could. I left out the O. Henry books, and I really wanted to work in the sky clad, because I thought that was a fantastic terminology for the people being naked, but Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't or it's the same thing with the pre-MTV era. I just couldn't organically fit it in. Oh, yeah. So, Amanda, again, you being the last person in this story, what are your thoughts thus far? I feel much better about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I did great. 
Uh, and Paisley, <laughs> you heard this part of the story, but now hearing the entire first half of the story, what are your thoughts so far? Oh my gosh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I know, it, it, don't want to spoil my part, but uh, yeah, I would not have imagined it quite starting like it did, but now that I hear them both together, it does seem like a very organic continuation of Mm -hmm. the beginning of the story. And I can only apologize for my part. (laughs) (laughs) I let my husband listen to Paisley's part and he was like, what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? And I was like, we're going to see, huh? I am excited for y'all to hear Paisley's part. Honestly. Um, but that's because I know where everything goes. So, with no further, and because Paisley's part is dope on its own, but <laughs> with no further ado, let's go ahead and get to part three, Paisley's part of the story. I gotta tell you, I've heard the whole thing. I've heard the whole episode. It's marvelous. It's so good. You really want to stick around and figure out where they take this story. Thanks to Derek and the Ratchet Book Club for letting us post this preview of the episode again October 22nd 2022 of the Ratchet Book Club the Storytellers and it's called Not Me Lord so go check it out wherever you get your favorite podcasts and thanks for listening to the Meat for Tea cast the Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea the Valley Review mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewn Lab East Hampton Massachusetts Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for our contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth, Meat for Tea on Instagram, and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>